Welcome to the Give Me Liberty podcast, where we defend life, liberty, and truth to ensure the foundations of freedom exist for the next generation. And on today's episode, we are uncovering what it actually means to have educational freedom in this country. Why is the taxpayer model of public school and public school systems uh, broken? Well, we sit down with Tiffany Justice and Tina Deskovich the founders of Moms for Liberty. All of this on the Give Me Liberty podcast, starting now. Hey, welcome to another special edition of the Give Me Liberty podcast right here at Liberty University and the Standing for Freedom Center. We had an incredible action-packed summit this last weekend that was cut dramatically short by a power grid failure. But... We're salvaging the moment because this is amazing. We have a panel, and I'm joined today by Tina Deskovich and Tiffany Justice of Moms for Liberty. Welcome. Thank you. All we're, right. We're thrilled to be here. It's a beautiful campus. It's, oh, yeah. It's awesome. And it's, we enjoyed last night so much hearing from so many great speakers. So they thank were you. Great speakers. Um, the, this panel, by the way, unravel, go get your aluminum foil while you're listening. You know, make yourself a little hat, wear it. No, I'm kidding. These are not tinfoil hat conspiracies, obviously. This is reality. It is kind of scary, right? Um, truth is stranger than fiction, especially today. The world got mad. You know, uh, truth is often the enemy. Uh, but what I so appreciate is that y'all speak the truth. You have a burden. Uh, the burden is for educational freedom, uh, not just school choice, right, but educational freedom in this country. And you'll have advocated so strongly for parents, um, parental rights and freedom. So I just like tell us a little bit about your organization first. So Moms for Liberty was founded by Tiffany Justice and myself. We started launched in January 21st, no, January 1st of 2021. So we're not even two years old. Uh, we started with just two chapters in our own county, just us, you know, and an idea of what we wanted to do to help unify, educate, and empower parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government. And in 22 months, we have grown to 240 chapters in 42 states and over 100,000 members. Okay, the only way something grows that fast is either it's like BLM and it's funded by massive corporate dollars, or it's a true grassroots movement, and it's answer, it's identified and answered the problem. That's the only way, right? It's either one or the other. And I, it's the latter, obviously. Y'all are growing, but like, how did that happen? How did that happen? We started with two moms in, in our own communities who had, we served as school board members. And so we um, served through COVID. We saw the erosion of parental rights happen right in front of us, right? It, we knew that there were a lot of things that were going on that were wrong. We had gotten involved to try to fix some of that, to bring parents' voices uh, to the school board. But what we realized during COVID was that parents were upset, they were concerned, but they didn't know how to advocate. They didn't know what the processes and procedures were, and they were coming to the school boards to have their voices heard, and they were being shut down. Their mics were being cut off. And so we knew that we needed to unify parents to have their voices be louder um, and to um, be able to stop some of the retaliation that we were seeing. And we were seeing retaliation from lots of different places. Um, and so we started with two chapters. Within two weeks, uh, we got a call from a woman named Barbara Abood in Nassau, New York, who called and said, um, I'd like to start a Moms for Liberty chapter. She called Tina 
And uh, Tina called me and she said, we got, someone wants to start a chapter in New York. And, you know, we were just going to start in Florida at first because we understood Florida, the budgeting, and, you know, we, we knew we were very focused on school board and parental rights. And I said to Tina, I just don't know how we say no. I mean, this mm -hmm. isn't ours. This is something that so many parents are struggling with across the country. We've got to try to do something. And, and how do you tell a mom that's just like us, one of our peers, no, right? And so we said, okay. And then within another two weeks or so, I think it was Maryland, right? Anne Arundel County, Maryland. Anne Arundel County, Maryland. And then just like wildfire. And you can watch on the map. If you go to our website, momsforliberty.org, we have a big map there. And you can see it's, it is like wildfire, little spark lights in a state. And then you can watch as the counties hear about each other and they kind of recruit each other. And what they're finding now is that the way that they can interact together united by county, they can help to address parental rights at the state level. So they're meeting in legislative committees at the state level um, and, and coming together as chapters to be able to advance the policies that they need to at that level as well. So not just school board, but now that state level government. And um, it's just a wonderful thing to be a part of. I'm so proud. We're so proud of it, of, of everything that the moms and dads across the country are making happen. Yeah, it's, it's, it's truly amazing. And when people think about growth like that and you answered it it's like how do you organize that how do you do that and it looks like it's not complete centralized control but it's people that are organically talking yeah. to one another right? it's not centralized control at all we are yeah. not a top-down organization uh, we don't set an agenda at the national level and push it down into our chapters at all they meet monthly they have chapter meetings. They meet monthly. We tell them to review their school board agendas. That's like their number one priority. And they pick issues in their community. We have some chapters, they don't make national news for these things. They're fighting referendums or other things that are going on in just their districts. However, there are topics that we are finding yeah. that are like, yeah, they're very common. I mean, we want to dig into gender ideology today or critical race theory. You're finding that everywhere throughout the United States, and it concerns all parents. So those rise to the top, but they're coming from the bottom and rising up. And just to address on how, how the growth happens, you, when you watch that map, and, and there are, like, you'll see pockets, right? You'll mm -hmm. see, like, why are there 23 counties right there that have all grown? It's because they see their neighboring county have impact. They see them show up at the school board meeting. They see the Moms for Liberty shirt. They're like, oh, these women are having impact. They see in the news, they got a resolution passed. They see they've, they've changed, something has happened. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, we need to do that here. And it's just covered in their local news. It's not national. And they pick it up and then they do it. And it just, it just grows and grows. And we train our moms on media. We don't want, we, we speak at the national level. Tina and I do an enormous amount of media. That was part of our strategies. We knew we needed to get the word out about what was happening in the schools and make people aware of that every Everyone has a role to play. Yeah. Um, you know, Andrew Beipart said that politics is downstream from culture. Yeah. James Lindsay said it on a recent podcast. I have repeated it time and time again. Culture is downstream from education. And education in this in America, or K-12, higher ed, uh, all of those institutions have been stolen from us. And mm -hmm. we must reclaim them in order to right the, the course of America. Absolutely. So, by the way, how amazingly simple that you would have an organization that is not a top-down control... Right, so this is not being orchestrated in some kind of way like some other organizations that are so elitist. Right, that's how they do it. By the way, that's how cultural Marxism often works. 
Uh, but yet, it's like, okay, that seems pretty American. That seems like Moms for Liberty. Who would have thought trust the American people? Right. Right? And we had Ron DeSantis as a great leader in that, right? Trust the American people. We, there's an enormous amount of vulnerability in the work that we do. Even for our moms, we were discussing today, we have a code of conduct. But our, the moms know we have to rely on each other. Yeah. You put on that Moms for Liberty t-shirt or that hat, everything that you do is not only affecting you and your own community, it's going to affect thousands and thousands of moms around the country and dads and their children, by the way. And so we really tried to elevate the level of engagement um, from this protest, you know, being angry to effective advocacy where you're really having impact and creating positive change. That's like a, that's a populism thing, which is very American. I think about William F. Buckley famously saying, I trust more people in the Boston phone directory than I, than I do the, the Harvard teacher directory. It's very hard to do, Ryan. I'm not, I mean, we're not going to deny it. It's, you know, yeah. a lot of our chapters sometimes make decisions and take a stand on things that I don't necessarily agree with all the time, but sure. they need the room to do that in their own community. I don't live there. I'm not there. I don't, I don't know who their leaders are and, and what's going on in that area. So sometimes you're like, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. Mm. And you have to, you have to take hands off and say, yeah. but they have the authority is, you know, we've set some very like some guidelines like you have to be a joyful warrior we're yeah. not going to be yes. we're not going to be angry we are not going to be um you know tiffany likes to say your children are watching they're watching yes. us do this we're going to be yeah. joyful warriors we're going to speak truth and yeah. also to be in service and last night i thought so many of the speakers you know eric metaxas spoke about this it, it and, and many others it is a privilege to fight for America. Yes, it is. There are people that have died fighting for this country. And so um, I want our kids to, to watch and mm. look and want to emulate us rather than seeing it as some type of a burden. And I think we're being, I think our moms are doing a great job. So true love is one of the most powerful forces in the universe, like genuine love. And this comes from God. But so often, and I think about this, things that are united based on hatred and the things that hate, they can go viral. They can grow really quick. You know, you think about rioting and mob and whatever, and they're very destructive, but they tend to blow over very quickly too, because there's not, there's not a unif, there's no real unifying principle with hatred. That's the thing, right? But if you're united by the things that you love and you can defend that in common cause with other people, that's the building blocks of society. That's how you build things and you defend those things. And I think that's, that's something that's so necessary. So tell us real quickly. The things that are so critical that we get right now in education, what are the threats and how do we confront them? First, I'd say that there is no love truer than the love of a mother for their child. Um, it is such a pure love. And I think feminists for a long time have tried to tell us that we can't, you know, th this idea of... Um, you know, you somehow lose some part of yourself when you become a mother. And I think it was a lie told to us to kind of trick us into not having a voice as much in the public square. And I love the fact that our moms are at the playground talking about who's going to run for school board and who they're going to support and who the best house rep is to support or to sponsor a bill. So, um, you know, moms are taking that love for their children and, and, their, and the want for a brighter future for their children and incorporating it here. As far as threats are concerned, um, they're coming from a lot of different directions. Um, and really, I think that there's a wedge being driven between the parent and the child, yeah. right? I mean, that's what we see most directly. Yeah, the biggest threat for sure is, is the special interest groups that have you know, infiltrated education and the teachers union. Let's just throw them in there too, because they're they're party to it uh, at a very minimum in some places, maybe complicit, but they're definitely party to it. Mm -hmm. And they're they're putting 
procedural guides and policies and working with school board members uh, in trainings from day one when they get elected to adopt policies that literally divide children from their families, that invade parental rights, that erode parental rights. Mm -hmm. um, in Florida, we saw all of those policies or all those procedural guides be put in place by Equality Florida. They came in. And you know these policy or these procedural guides started with uh, closed door meetings between students and uh, administrators in the school or, or guidance counselors in the school. And first thing the kid got to choose their uh, and we have examples. We have a mom that has a, a lawsuit out right now where they get to choose their gender. Um, they get to choose which name they want to use at school, which restroom they want to use, which locker room they want to change in, and which sex they want to spend the night with in overnight field trips, which is all absurd for a student to be making those decisions with an administrator at the school. And the, the policy or the procedural guides say, not only are we not gonna tell your parents, we're going to deceive your parents. Yes. We are going to use your birth name and your birth pronoun uh, when we talk to your parents. And we are gonna not tell them about these other things that we agreed to. And it, you know, it, it, what happened in, Cl in, Cl in, in Clay, Clay County, County. Yeah. Clay County is, is a crazy story. Tell um, us about that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll shorten the story a little bit because it's, it's horrible. These parents got a phone call one day that their daughter had attempted suicide at school. And of course they, they raced down to the school uh, they are then informed that their, their daughter has gone through one of these social transition programs at the school. So the school knew that uh, there was a, a, a struggle there with gender identity. They were guiding her. And when the attorneys uh, got a hold of the, the records and the documents and the notes over the past several weeks that the school had been working with her, they said they were not going to notify the parents because they were Catholic. Wow. So total, this is a civil rights issue, uh, religious discrimination, but then also parental rights. It shouldn't have anything to do with religion, but the parents have the ultimate right with their children. They cannot be separated. This is the thing. So you go back to the, um, what is it, HB? 1557. 1557 parental rights bill. The don't say gay bill is what they said in, in the media. And you have a very real picture of what's actually going on versus what the media is saying about it. Sure, and the polling on that showed that we were like almost near 70% for both Democrats and Republicans yes. in support of not teaching sexual orientation and gender identity in K grades K through three. Yeah. So, you know, here you have an issue where you have almost 70-30 polling on it and yet you know, somehow it's controversial. We did a Dr. Phil episode and, and Nadine Smith, who was the director of this Equality Florida, um, was on there with us and she was talking about the bill and she said, and I said, you're not saying the name of the bill. You're not saying it correctly. This is misinformation, this moniker that you've given this bill. And she said, well, the name of the bill is just a marketing ploy, I think she said or something. And I said, and, and, and in my mind, I just thought to, to myself, maybe to you, but the name of the bill was parental rights and education. And to us, that wasn't a marketing ploy. That was us taking action mm -hmm. at the state level to protect our ability to direct the education of our child. Mm -hmm. And so the other threat I think that we're seeing right now is curriculum transparency. We, there is not enough transparency in what is being taught. And you have the fundamental right as a parent to direct the upbringing of your, your child. That includes their education and their medical care. But how can you direct something if you're constantly being put into a reactive position, right? So if you're always finding out after the fact that your child had access or was exposed to something. So curriculum transparency is a parental rights issue and we need to really work much much harder to get out of this idea of opting your child out of something 
but thinking about it as an opt-in to something, that you make the choice as the parent, you're directing the education of your child. And so whether that's directing the education of your child within the public square and the public school space at government schools, which is what we have, they're government schools, yes. or whether that's directing the education of your child by choosing another option as you spoke about education freedom, mm -hmm. we trust parents to make decisions for their children. Yeah, so obviously there are lots of things within education like just across the country like you think about what's happening in school libraries like there's the, the material that's being available there social emotional learning which is basically like trying to recraft critical theory in another way like by another name Right. Well, social emotional re learning, really the programming mechanism for a lot of these things is the destabilization of the child. Mm -hmm. they're, they're really, you know, as a mom, you tell your child, you know, if you get that funny feeling about something, if you think in your mind, my mom or dad might not like this, trust your instincts, trust yourself, right? What they want to do and what social emotional learning does is normalize they call them courageous conversations mm -hmm. around things like race or around gender. So the kid gets confronted with something that they know instinctually and in, inherently is not in line with their family values or not in line with their own, you know, their own understanding of the world and their truth, the sun coming up and the sun going down, but they're told ignore that push through it, that fight or flight, and they want them to engage. And then that becomes this, this constant relationship that the school now has with the child where they are doing the values clarification and, and helping them with the decision making. But if they're teaching morals in schools, whose morals are they? Because they're not the morals of the parents. They're the morals of the government. They're the values of the government. And as a parent, again, you have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of your child. The government doesn't give you that right. And you have the right to direct the moral and religious upbringing of your child, not the school system. So can education really be saved in this country? Absolutely, it can be saved, yeah. but parents have to do it. Okay. The only people that are going to save public education is parents. So how do, in 2022, how do parents really save it? Well, first of all, they go to momsforliberty.org and they find their chapter and they connect with their chapter or they start a chapter if there's not one in their county. But seriously, there's a lot of parents groups out there. There's organizations you can get involved in. Yeah. You have to get your eyes on your local school districts. I mean, people have to be engaged. Most school districts have policies in place where the curriculum can be open, can be looked at. You can definitely do public records or FOIA requests to look for things like the LGBTQ support guides to see if there's policies in place that are putting a wedge between parents and children and everybody in a community that's paying taxes gets a voice yes so you get you get this work done you don't have to have kids in public school to fight this obviously if your kids are there you've got a little bit more uh oomph in you and you want to get down there and right. fight it but you know that's not a requirement it's not yes. a requirement at all you can be part of the chapter yeah. if you're a and you know, here's another thing we have to say you don't have to be a mom we have dads that run our organizations in certain areas so moms dads grandparents aunts uncles cousins just a concerned citizen you can start a chapter you can be a member of a chapter and if you're not you can go solo down there and start working on it yourself but they, we need all hands on deck for this so this thought just ran, ran through my mind and i'm going to go ahead and say this if in 2021 the loving your neighbor from the left was to get the jab like the most loving thing you can do is get vaccinated when in reality and i would say this if you're a tax-paying citizen if you're a christian in a community Oh, but I, I homeschool my kids or but I send my kids to Christian schools or whatever. The most loving thing that you can do for your neighbor is get involved in the education in the local public school. Find out what's going on there. 
love your neighbor by protecting children in your community from indoctrination. I just, I can't even, I just amen to that. That's all I have to say. Over 50% of your property taxes go to education. So, you know, you talk about taxation, you know, represent yourself in the way that your taxpayer funds or, you know, the taxpayer money is being spent. You're investing in this system. We have nearly two thirds. No, I say nearly, it's more than that now after COVID. We just had NAEP scores come come out. They are the lowest they have been in over 30 years, continuing to see decline in districts after district. Rhode Island, for example, 14% of kids reading on grade level. Senator Tiara Mack brought uh, children out to the Capitol in Rhode Island and had them covered in fake blood, Mm -hmm. lie down on the Capitol steps um, to protest after Uvalde, and uh, only 14% of kids can read in, in the state. They want the kids to be politically literate. But they're not that concerned with functional literacy, with giving them practicable skills. And, you know, we have a friend, James Lindsay, who talks about, you know, Ferrari and and where all of this came from and the idea of the education and how it's changed. Parents, their expectations have not changed. For the most part, parents want to see their children lead a life that was similar to the life that they had, um, but better, hopefully, in many cases. Um, and, And, you know, parents have no idea, this idea that you send your child into school and they're taught to hate the country that we live in. That's disastrous, and that's a betrayal of the trust that parents place in education. Yeah. you. So going back, this is interesting. So the radical Paulo Freire? Freire. 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 I probably don't say I, it. I, I can't Brazilian. say it. Yeah. But, but the, the idea is that education is not really about the project of, of preparing a child, shaping a child's mind for taking on the, you know, in a positive <laughs> way, um, vocationally, for, for aptitude, success, achievement, none of those things, but rather for something else, for nefarious purposes. To transform society. Right. So this idea that education is almost like this Marxist thing that is about an operational goal, some kind of tangential goal that has nothing to do with the original project of education. So indoctrination versus I don't know, the Christian term would be discipleship, where you're training up a child in the way they should go, right? Education. Yeah. It's indoctrination versus education. Yeah. And you don't even have to get that deep into the nefarious work. I mean, we just, we need parents on board and eyes on. Parents know mm. when they pull those books and they review them and they read them, like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's not hard. You're not like, oh, something doesn't feel right here. You're like, Holy moly! Yeah. Critical race theory should not be right. learning this. Critical race theory is racism. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to go to college to study critical race theory to understand that racism is bad. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you're discriminating against. There's no place for discrimination in America's public schools. That's it. It's a very simple thing. Yeah. But I think that you know it is constantly overcomplicated and done so in order to try to keep people away from discussing it. In order to try to keep well, you don't know. It's not your lived experience. You don't get to weigh in here. Yeah. You know, they've done it to men. Standpoint epistemology. Right, absolutely. And so parents, it's hard to stand up against that. And I think one of the things that Moms for Liberty did, Tina mentioned our mission statement, unify, educate, empower. The unify part is so important because when you find people that you can stand with, you are braver and stronger. And then when you're educated on the issues and these issues that are oftentimes difficult to understand or, or, or purposely made difficult, um, then you need to find your way through it. But once our moms are confident on that issue, they're then very empowered to make change because they're driven by true love. Yeah. And, and tell me what kind of, 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 of mixture would be more powerful than that? Yes, 
Absolutely. I feel like, okay, this conversation is a to-be-continued because I want to have more conversations with you. I think we benefit at the Standing for Freedom Center, certainly at Liberty University, from hearing from your experience there in the field. Um, hundreds of thousands of women, mothers across this country being specific, are listening to you. Dads as well, because I was actually at your uh, meeting down there in Florida for your, your conference. I saw men in the room also, which is pretty cool. Um, and I'm a dad. I have three kids. I'm proud of it. Um, so I, this is, this is critically important and I don't think it's going to become any less important. There's no way to fix education by just, you know, winning an election on education policy. This is an ongoing thing. It's going to take a long time. We know we are in it for the long game. That's why we set up a solid structure. You know, everyone said, oh, this is about the masks. They're going to go, this whole group is going to go away <laughs> after the masks. And, our, you know, there's nothing in our mission statement about a mask. No. Not, not to, you know, it is about defending parental, it's about saving America by yeah. defending your parental rights. They have been under attack for decades. Public schools have been controlled for decades by liberals, by teachers unions. It is going to take a long time to get this uh, ship right, but we are working on it and we're making exceptional progress. Well, thank you for the love that you have for your children. Thank you for so much for speaking up, speaking out, getting involved, and for rallying the troops. So appreciate your courage, your conviction, your compassion. Uh, Tina Deskovich and Tiffany Justice, thank you so much for joining the Give Me Liberty podcast. And folks, stick around for final thoughts. Hey, thank you for joining the Give Me Liberty podcast. Wasn't that an interesting interview? I so appreciate Moms for Liberty as an organization and all they're doing around this country. They're growing by leaps and bounds, largely because they're touching on an issue that, that every parent, every child, every family has to deal with in this country and that's education. It's so critically important that we understand the fundamentals. What is education really about? It's really about worldview and discipleship. It goes back to what the writer of Proverbs said, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We must recognize, even as Christians, that part of our responsibility in the Great Commission is not simply to make decisions for Christ, but to make disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ, teaching them to obey everything that God has commanded us in His Word. That is the foundation and the model of education. That is what we're doing in this great experiment in education, is ultimately to take a child, to make them understand the two most important questions. First, who created them? And, what, and second, what they were created for. You answer that and you know your purpose in life. Until next time, God bless you.